Part four of Silly Verses Selections from Shores, Carol, Lear, and Gilbert. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Silly Verses Selections from Shores, Carol, Lear, and Gilbert by Various. Part four. W. S. Gilbert. The Played Out Humorist, The Practical Joker, To Phoebe, To the Terrestrial Globe, Etiquette, The Mighty Must, The Yarn of the Nancy Bell, Ferdinando and Elvira, Gentle Alice Brown, The Story of Prince Agib, Sir Guy the Crusader, Sing for the Garish Eye. The Played Out Humorist Quixotic is his enterprise, and hopeless his adventure is, who seeks for jocularities that haven't yet been said. The world has joked incessantly for over fifty centuries, and every joke that's possible has long ago been made. I started as a humorist with lots of mental fizziness, but humor is a drug which it's the fashion to abuse. For my stock in trade, my fixtures, and the goodwill of the business, no reasonable offer I am likely to refuse. And if anybody choose, he may circulate the news that no reasonable offer I am likely to refuse. Oh, happy was that humorist, the first that made a pun at all, who when a joke occurred to him, however poor and mean, was absolutely certain that it never had been done at all. How popular at dinners must that humorist have been! Oh, the days when some stepfather for a query held a handle out! The doormat from the scraper is it distant very far, and when no one knew where Moses was when Aaron put the candle out, and no one had discovered that a door could be ajar. But your modern hearers are, in their taste, particular, and they sneer if you inform them that a door can be ajar. In search of quip and quiddity, I've sat all day alone, apart. And all that I could hit on as a problem was to find analogy between a scrag of mutton and a bony part, which offers slight employment to the speculative mind for you cannot call it very good however great your charity it's not the sort of humour that is greeted with a shout and i've come to the conclusion that my mine of jocularity in present anno domini is worked at completely out though the notion you may scout i can prove beyond a doubt that my mine of jocularity is worked completely out the practical joker oh what a find of joy jocund lies hid in harmless hoaxes what keen enjoyment springs from cheap and simple things what deep delight from sources trite inventive humour coaxes that pain and trouble brew for every one but you gunpowder placed inside its waist improves a mild havana its unexpected flash burns eyebrows and moustache when people dine, no kind of wine beat Ipecancawa, but common sense suggests you keep it for your guests. Then naught annoys the organ boys like throwing red-hot coppers, and much amusement bides in common butter slides, and stringy snares across the stairs cause unexpected croppers. Coal scuttles, recollect, produce the same effect. A man possessed of common sense need not invest at great expense it does not call for pocket deep 
these jokes are all extremely cheap if you commence with eighteen pence it's all you'll have to pay you may command a pleasant and a most instructive day a good spring gun breeds endless fun and makes men jump like rockets and turnip heads on posts make very decent ghosts then hornets sting like anything when placed in waistcoat pockets burnt cork and walnut juice are not without their use no fun compares with easy chairs whose seats are stuffed with needles live shrimps their patience tax when put down people's backs surprising too what one can do with a pint of fat black beetles and treacle on a chair will make a quaker swear then sharp tin tacks and pocket squirts and cobbler's wax for lady skirts and slimy slugs on bedroom floors and water jugs on open doors prepared with these cheap properties amusing tricks to play upon a friend a man may spend a most delightful day to phoebe gentle modest little flower sweet epitome of may love me but for half an hour love me love me little fay sentences so fiercely flaming in your tiny shell-like ear i should always be exclaiming if i loved you phoebe dear smiles that thrill from any distance shed upon me while i sing please ecstaticize existence love me o oh thou fairy thing words like these outpouring sadly you'll perpetually hear if i loved you fondly madly but i do not phoebe dear to the terrestrial globe by a miserable wretch roll on thou ball roll on through pathless realms of space roll on what though i'm in a sorry case what though i cannot meet my bills what though i suffer toothache's ills what though i swallow countless pills never you mind roll on roll on thou ball roll on through seas of inky air roll on it's true i've got no shirts to wear it's true my butcher's bill is due it's true my prospects all look blue but don't let that unsettle you never you mind roll on it rolls on etiquette the ballyshannon foundered off the coast of caribou and down in fathoms many went the captain and the crew down went the owners greedy men whom hope of gain allured and dry the starting tear for they were heavily insured besides the captain and the mate the owners and the crew the passengers were also drowned excepting only two young peter gray who tasted teas for baker croup and co and summers who from eastern shores imported indigo these passengers by reason of their clinging to a mast upon a desert island were eventually cast they hunted for their meals as alexander selkirk used but they couldn't chat together they had not been introduced for peter gray and summers too though certainly in trade were properly particular about the friends they made and somehow thus they settled it without a word of mouth that gray should take the northern half while summers took the south on peter's portion oysters grew a delicacy rare but oysters were a delicacy peter couldn't bear 
on summer's side was turtle on the shingle lying thick which summers couldn't eat because it always made him sick gray gnashed his teeth with envy as he saw a mighty store of turtle unmolested on his fellow creature's shore the oysters at his feet aside impatiently he shoved for turtle and his mother were the only things he loved and summers sighed in sorrow as he settled in the south for the thought of peter's oysters brought the water to his mouth he longed to lay him down upon the shelly bed and stuff he had often eaten oysters but had never had enough how they wished an introduction to each other they had had when on board the valley shannon and it drove them nearly mad to think how very friendly with each other they might get if it wasn't for the arbitrary rule of etiquette one day when out a-hunting for the moose ridiculous gray overheard his fellow-man soliloquizing thus i wonder how the playmates of my youth are getting on mcconnell s b walters patty biles and robin son these simple words made peter as delighted as could be old chummies at the charter house were robinson and he he walked straight up to summers then he turned extremely red hesitated hummed and hawed a bit then cleared his throat and said i beg your pardon pray forgive me if i seem too bold but you have breathed a name i knew familiarly of old you spoke aloud of robinson i happen to be by you know him yes extremely well allow me so do i it was enough they felt they could more pleasantly get on for ah the magic of the fact they each knew robinson and mr summer's turtle was at peter's service quite and mr summers punished peter's oyster-beds all night they soon became like brothers from community of wrongs they wrote each other little odes and sang each other songs they told each other anecdotes disparaging their wives on several occasions too they saved each other's lives they felt quite melancholy when they parted for the night and got up in the morning soon as ever it was light each other's pleasant company they reckoned so upon and all because it happened that they both knew robin's son they lived for many years on that inhospitable shore and day by day they learned to love each other more and more at last to their astonishment on getting up one day they saw a frigate anchored in the offing of the bay to peter an idea occurred suppose we cross the main so good an opportunity may not be found again and Summers thought a minute, then ejaculated, Done! I wonder how my business in the city's getting on. But stay, said Mr. Peter, when in England, as you know, I earned a living tasting teas for Baker, Croup, and Co. I may be superseded, my employers think me dead. Then come with me, said Summers, and taste indigo instead but all their plans were scattered in a moment when they found the vessel was a convict ship from portland outward bound when a boat came off to fetch them though they felt it very kind to go on board they firmly but respectfully declined as both the happy settlers roared with laughter at the joke they recognized a gentlemanly fellow pulling stroke twas robinson a convict in an unbecoming frock condemned to seven years for misappropriating stock 
they laughed no more for summers thought he had been rather rash in knowing one whose friends had misappropriated cash and peter thought a foolish tack he must have gone upon in making the acquaintance of a friend of robinson at first they didn't quarrel very openly i've heard they nodded when they met and now and then exchanged a word the word grew rare and rarer still the nodding of the head and when they meet each other now they cut each other dead to allocate the island they agreed by word of mouth and peter takes the north again and summers takes the south and peter has the oysters which he hates in layers thick and summers has the turtle turtle always makes him sick the mighty must come mighty must inevitable shall in thee i trust time weaves my coronal go mocking is go disappointing was that i am this ye are the cursed cause yet humble second shall be first i ween and dead and buried be the cursed has been o weak might be o may might could would should how powerless ye for evil or for good in every sense your moods i cheerless call whate'er your tense ye are imperfect all ye have deceived the trust i've shown in ye away the mighty must alone shall be the yarn of the nancy bell twas on the shores that round our coast from deal to ramsgate span that i found alone on a piece of stone an elderly naval man his hair was weedy his beard was long and weedy and long was he and i heard this wight on the shore recite in a singular minor key oh i am a cook and the captain bold and the mate of the nancy brig and a bosun tight and a midship might and the crew of the captain's gig and he shook his fists and tore his hair till i really felt afraid for i couldn't help thinking the man had been drinking and so i simply said o oh, elderly man it's little i know of the duties of men of the sea and i'll eat my hand if i understand how you can possibly be at once a cook and a captain bold and the mate of the nancy brig and a bosun tight and a midship might and the crew of the captain's gig then he gave a hitch to his trousers which is a trick all seamen larn and having got rid of a thumping quid he spun this painful yarn twas in the good ship nancy bell that we sailed to the indian sea and there on a reef we come to grief which has often occurred to me and pretty nigh all the crew was drowned there was seventy-seven a soul and only ten of the nancy's men said here to the muster roll there was me and the cook and the captain bold and the mate of the nancy brig and the bosun tight and a midship might and the crew of the captain's gig for a month we'd neither whittles nor drink till a hungry we did feel so we drawed a lot and accordingly shot the captain for our meal the next lot fell to the nancy's mate and a delicate dish he made then our appetite with the midship might we seven survivors stayed and then we murdered the bosun tight and he much resembled pig then we whittled free did the cook and me on the crew of the captain's gig then only the cook and me was left and the delicate question which of us two goes to the kettle arose and we argued it out as sitch for i loved that cook as a brother i did and the cook he worshipped me 
but we'd both be blowed if we'd either be stowed and the other chaps hold you see i'll be eat if you dines off me says tom yes that says i you'll be i'm boiled if i die my friend quoth i and exactly so quoth he says he dear james to murder me were a foolish thing to do for don't you see that you can't cook me while i can and will cook you so he boils the water and takes the salt and pepper and portions true which he never forgot and some chopped shallot and some sage and parsley too come here says he with a proper pride which his smiling features tell twill soothing be if i let you see how extremely nice you'll smell and he stirred it round and round and round and he sniffed at the foaming froth when i ups with his heels and smothers his squeals in the scum of the boiling broth and i eat that cook in a week or less and as i eating be the last of his chops why i almost drops for a vessel in sight i see and i never larf and i never smile and i never lark or play but sit and croak and a single joke i have which is to say oh i am a cook and a captain bold and a mate of the nancy brig and a bosun tight and a midship might and the crew of the captain's gig ferdinando and elvira or the gentle pieman part one at a pleasant evening party i had taken down to supper one woman i will call elvira and we talked of love and tupper mr tupper and the poets very lightly with them dealing for i've always been distinguished for a strong poetic feeling then we let off paper crackers each of which contained a motto and she listened while i read them till her mother told her not to then she whispered to the ballroom we had better dear be walking if we stop down here much longer many people will be talking there were noblemen in coronets and military cousins there were captains by the hundreds there were baronets by dozens yet she heeded not their offers but dismissed them with a blessing then she let down all her back hair which had taken long in pressing then she had convulsive sobbings in her agitated throttle then she wiped her pretty eyes and smelt her pretty smelling bottle so i whispered dear elvira say what can the matter be with you does anything you've eaten darling popsy disagree with you but spite of all i said her sobs grew more and more distressing and she tore her pretty back hair which had taken long in dressing then she gazed upon the carpet at the ceiling then above me and she whispered ferdinando do you really really love me love you said i then i sighed and then i gazed upon her sweetly for i think i do this sort of thing particularly neatly send me to the arctic regions or illimitable azure on a scientific goose chase with my coxel or my glacier tell me whither i may hie me tell me dear one that i may know is it up the highest andes down a horrible volcano but she said it isn't polar bears or hot volcanish grottoes only find out who it is that writes these lovely cracker mottoes part two
tell me henry wadsworth alfred poet close or mr tupper do you write the bon ton mottoes my elvira pulls at supper but henry wadsworth smiled and said he had not had that honour and alfred too disclaimed the words that told so much upon her mr martin tupper poet close i beg of you inform us but my question seemed to throw them both into a rage enormous mr close expressed a wish that he could only get a nigh to me and mr martin tupper sent the following reply to me a fool is bent upon a twig but wise men dread a bandit which i know was very clever but i didn't understand it seven weary years i wandered patagonia china norway till at last i sank exhausted at a pastry cook his doorway there were fuchsias and geraniums and daffodils and myrtle so i entered and i ordered half a basin of mock turtle he was plump and he was chubby he was smooth and he was rosy and his little wife was pretty and particularly cosy and he chirped and sang and skipped about and laughed with laughter hearty he was wonderfully active for so very stout a party and i said o oh, gentle pieman why so very very merry is it purity of conscience or your one and seven sherry but he answered i'm so happy no profession could be dearer if i'm not humming tra-la-la i'm singing tearer tearer first i go and make the patties and the puddings and the jellies then i make a sugar bird-cage which upon a table swell is then i polish all the silver which a supper-table lacquers then i write the pretty mottoes which you find inside the crackers found at last i madly shouted gentle pieman you astound me then i waved the turtle soup enthusiastically around me and i shouted and i danced until he'd quite a crowd around him and i rushed away exclaiming i have found him i have found him and i heard the gentle pieman in the road behind me trilling tira lira stop him stop him tra la la the soup's a shilling but until i reached elvira's home i never never waited and elvira to her ferdinand's irrevocably mated gentle alice brown it was a robber's daughter and her name was alice brown her father was the terror of a small italian town her mother was a foolish weak but amiable old thing and it isn't to her parents that i'm going for to sing as alice was a sitting at her window-sill one day a beautiful young gentleman he chanced to pass that way she cast her eyes upon him and he looked so good and true that she thought i could be happy with a gentleman like you and every morning passed her house that cream of gentlemen she knew she might expect him at a quarter unto ten a sorter in the custom-house it was his daily road the custom-house was fifteen minutes walk from her abode but alice was a pious girl who knew it wasn't wise to look at strange young sorters with expressive purple eyes so she sought the village priest to whom her family confessed the priest by whom their little sins were carefully assessed o holy father alice said twould grieve you would it not to discover that i was a most disreputable lot of all unhappy sinners i'm the most unhappy one the padre said whatever have you been and gone and done i have helped mamma to steal a little kitty from its dad i've assisted dear papa in cutting up a little lad i've planned a little burglary and forged a little check 
and slain a little baby for the coral on its neck the worthy pastor heaved a sigh and dropped a silent tear and said you mustn't judge yourself too heavily my dear it's wrong to murder babies little corals for to fleece but sins like these one expiates at half a crown apiece girls will be girls you're very young and flighty in your mind old heads upon young shoulders we must not expect to find we mustn't be too hard upon these little girlish tricks let's see five crimes at half a crown exactly twelve and six oh father little alice cried your kindness makes me weep you do these little things for me so singularly cheap your thoughtful liberality i never can forget but oh there is another crime i haven't mentioned yet a pleasant-looking gentleman with pretty purple eyes i've noticed at my window as i've sat a-catching flies he passes by it every day as certain as can be i blush to say i've winked at him and he has winked at me for shame said father paul my erring daughter on my word this is the most distressing news that i have ever heard why naughty girl your excellent papa has pledged your hand to a promising young robber the lieutenant of his band this dreadful piece of news will pain your worthy parents so they are the most remunerative customers i know for many many years they've kept starvation from my doors i never knew so criminal a family as yours the common country folk in this insipid neighbourhood have nothing to confess they're so ridiculously good and if you marry any one respectable at all why you'll reform and what will then become of father paul the worthy priest he up and drew his cowl upon his crown and started off in haste to tell the news to robber brown to tell him how his daughter who was now for marriage fit had winked upon a sorter who reciprocated it good robber brown he muffled up his anger pretty well he said i have a notion and that notion i will tell i will nab this gay young sorter terrify him into fits and get my gentle wife to chop him into little bits i've studied human nature and i know a thing or two though a girl may fondly love a living gent as many do a feeling of disgust upon her senses there will fall when she looks upon his body chopped particularly small he traced that gallant sorter to a still suburban square he watched his opportunity and seized him unaware he took a life-preserver and he hit him on the head and mrs brown dissected him before she went to bed and pretty little alice grew more settled in her mind she never more was guilty of a weakness of the kind until at length good robber brown bestowed her pretty hand on the promising young robber the lieutenant of his band the story of prince agib strike the concertina's melancholy string blow the spirit-stirring harp like anything let the piano's martial blast rouse the echoes of the past for of agib prince of tartary i sing of agib who amid tartaric scenes wrote a lot of ballet music in his teens his gentle spirit rolls in the melody of souls which is pretty but i don't know what it means of agib who could readily at sight strum a march upon the loud theodolite he would diligently play on the zoetrope all day and blow the gay pantechnicon all night one winter i am shaky in my dates came two starving tartar minstrels to his gates 
Oh, Allah be obeyed, how infernally they played. I remember that they called themselves the Quates. Oh, that day of sorrow, misery, and rage, I shall carry to the catacombs of age. Photographically lined on the tablet of my mind, when a yesterday has faded from its page. Alas, Prince Agib went and asked them in, gave them beer and eggs and sweets and scent and tin, and when, as snobs would say, they had put it all away, he requested them to tune up and begin. Though its icy horror chill you to the core, I will tell you what I never told before. The consequences true of that awful interview, for I listened at the keyhole in the door. They played him a sonata, let me see, Medulla Oblongata, key of G. Then they began to sing that extremely lovely thing, Scheherazando Mama Topo Pipipi. He gave them money, more than they could count, sent from a most ingenious little fount, more beer in little kegs, many dozen hard-boiled eggs, and goodies to a fabulous amount. Now follows the dim horror of my tale, and I feel I'm growing gradually pale, for even at this day, though its sting has passed away, when I venture to remember it, I quail. The elder of the brothers gave a squeal. All overish it made me for to feel. Oh, prince, he says, says he, if a prince indeed you be, I've a mystery I'm going to reveal. Oh, listen, if you'd shun a horrid death, to what the gent who's speaking to you saith. No, quits, in truth are we, as you fancy that we be, for to tremble I am Alec, this is Beth. Said Agib, oh, accursed of your kind, I have heard that you are men of evil mind. Beth gave a fearful shriek, but before he'd time to speak, I was mercilessly collared from behind. In number ten or twelve, or even more, they fastened me full length upon the floor. On my face extended flat, I was walloped with a cat, for listening at the keyhole of a door. Oh, the horror of that agonizing thrill! I can feel the place in frosty weather still. For a week from ten to four, I was fastened to the floor, while a mercenary whopped me with a will. They branded me, and broke me on a wheel, and they left me in an hospital to heal, and upon my solemn word I have never, never heard what those Tartars had determined to reveal. But that day of sorrow, misery, and rage I shall carry to the catacombs of age, photographically lined on the tablet of my mind, when a yesterday has faded from its page. Sir Guy the Crusader Sir Guy was a doughty crusader, a muscular knight, ever ready to fight, a very determined invader, and Dicky de Lyons' delight. Lenore was a Saracen maiden, brunette, statuesque, the reverse of grotesque. Her pa was a bagman from Aden, her mother she played in burlesque. A coryphee, pretty and loyal, in amber and red, the ballet she led. Her mother performed at the royal, Lenore at the Saracen's head. Of face and of figure majestic, she dazzled the sits, ecstaticized pits, her troubles were only domestic, but drove her half out of her wits. Her father incessantly lashed her, on water and bread she was grudgingly fed, whenever her father he thrashed her, her mother sat down on her head. Guy saw her, and loved her, with reason, for beauty so bright, since him mad with delight, 
He purchased a stall for the season and sat in it every night. His views were exceedingly proper. He wanted to wed, so he called at her shed and saw her progenitor whopper, her mother sit down on her head. So pretty, said he, and so trusting, you brute of a dad, you unprincipled cad, your conduct is really disgusting. Come, come, now admit it's too bad. You're a turbaned old Turk and malignant, your daughter Lenore I intensely adore, and I cannot help feeling indignant, a fact that I hinted before. To see a fond father employing a deuce of a nout, for to bang her about to a sensitive lover's annoying, said the bagman, crusader get out. Says Guy, a shall a warrior laden with a big spiky knob, sit in peace on his cob, while a beautiful Saracen maiden is whopped by a Saracen snob. To London I'll go from my charmer, which he did with his lute, seven hats and a flute, and was nabbed for his Sydenham's armor at Mr. Ben Samuel's suit. Sir Guy, he was lodged in the compter, her pa in a rage, died, don't know his age. His daughter, she married the prompter, grew bulky and quitted the stage. Sing for the Garish Eye Sing for the Garish Eye, when moonless brandlings cling. Let the froddering crooner cry, and the brattled sapster sing. For never and never again will the tottering beechlings play, for brattest rackers are singing aloud, and the throngers croon in May. The racking globe unstrung, unstrung in the frittering light, of a moon that knows no day, of a day that knows no night. Diving away in the crowd of sparkling frets and spray, the brattest rackers are singing aloud, and the throngers croon in May. Hasten, O oh, hatful blue, blue of the shimmering brow, hasten the deed to do that shall rottle the welkin now, for never again shall a cloud outthribble the babbling day when brattest rackers are singing aloud and the throngers croon in May. End of part four. End of silly verses, selections from Shores, Carol, Lear, and Gilbert by various.